0: Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today reading Galatians 4 in the NLT. Uh, why don't we pray first, as usual, before we start reading? Dear Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for your word. I just feel better doing this. I feel better reading it out aloud. I always want to just read it rather than just throw my two cents in there because people need to hear your word uh, read aloud. They need to read it for themselves, think about it for themselves. But I'm here to, I, I want to grow. I want to learn from your hand, Lord and if i can promote you through this simple reading on the internet to whomever your spirit might want to hear for them to also take a grasp and cling to you as well i would be happy knowing that i had a small part in your grand plan it makes me feel a little more than useless that i can be doing something lord for your glory i pray in the name of christ amen before i start um I guess uh, I just had a thought I'm not a deep thinker i'm not I'm an overthinker, and I usually come to the wrong conclusion. I do have a bachelor of Science I'm not a scientist. If I had been, I'd have tried to you know be a scientist or something. It looked like a lot of fun, but when I walked into a guy's lab and there were test tubes all over the place, I could see that he had really you know a scientist really he kind of there were other better choices that he could make, and my marks weren't certainly that good but I do wonder, and and I respect Christians who believe in old earth creation and that God works through evolution, but why would there be an evolution of two species, of two genders that are required to produce another member of the human race? Like, would that be advantageous to the human race? Like, doesn't evolution want to create something that is biologically viable and is re- reproducible to fight against the world because the world is always trying to knock off life forms that can't adapt and can't reproduce so if i mean if there's no god how could evolution occur how could all the materials happen by themselves and i don't want to disrespect scientists who are very intelligent but who just don't well bible says if you don't believe in god you're a fool but how would evolution like two genders be required for for the reproduction of a species like isn't that a disadvantage because you're like you know you're you're a, a monkey like ancestor and all of a sudden you attain intelligence and you're like oh i want to promote the human race look there's no i didn't get a female to evolve with me right so i can't reproduce totally different genome and i guess there are people who believe in evolution because they can't see a literal creation from the genesis story and they're christians and i gotta respect that i'm sorry i gotta respect that i do like ken ham i do like answers in genesis i do agree with him but i also want to respect people who are christians and who you know i care about science too but i'm not an old earth creationist i'm a young earth creationist i'm a literalist but how, how would an evolution occur? Because you need two human beings, but they're two different genders in order to create another human being, whether it's a male or a female. How would that exactly work? That's a disadvantage. Because you can't, you're a male, and but there's no female. No, no other female evolves to be able to complement the male in order to be able to through the act of reproduction to create a child. A child of the species. So why would that happen in an evolutionary model? Like in an evolutionary model, wouldn't you be like sort of like an earthworm or 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 a snail? You know, like some like snails. I got these snails here. I, I did buy assassin snails and they they are doing something because there's not as much snails as before. So those assassin snails are going through and, and eating up the other snails. But the other snails multiplied by themselves. Assassin snails actually need each other to reproduce, but, um, I don't know, um, ram snails, like those snails that, ha- that look like their shell looks like a ram horn, those guys multiply all by themselves. If you feed too much food into the aquarium, they just, the population just blows up. You can control snails by not overfeeding. I've learned that. But if you feed too much, boom, you got more food for the assassin snails. Which are quite pretty, actually. They have this kind of striped appearance. They look like a bumblebee kind of thing, but it's like a big, it's like a big long sna- shell. Just a thought. Anyways, I've babbled on a lo- enough. Um, you want to hear the reading, not just my ramblings and prattlings of a bachelor of science who barely made it through university. Let's read Galatians 4. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, Those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. That makes sense. So we're all kind of the same. The snail, the slaves are the same and the hares are the same because they're both kind of equal, right? They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children, we were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. Okay, so we're all kind of like, we have this slave nature, we have this carnal nature, we have this, this evil nature, and this evil nature wants to run, wants to run wild, it wants to be free, wants to do whatever it wants. It's the God, we're the God of ourselves, right? We don't, we don't want God, we don't want control, we don't want discipline, we don't want to be corrected, we want to do what we want to do. You can't tell me what to do, right? We were kids once, some people grow up and they have adult bodies and they're still kids. But everybody says i have the freedom to act and think the way i want to act which is true but some people still are very irresponsible not me of course i'm an angel i'm just kidding i'm a sinner too but when the right time came god sent his son born of a woman subject to the law so jesus was subject to the law god sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children and because we are his children God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts promoting us prompting us to call out Abba Father. Now you are no longer a slave but God's own child and since you are his child God has made you his heir. Wow, so we were created by God, we were God's children, but we were stolen away from the devil. We were stolen away from an evil creature who wants to take us over and enslave us. So God's law, the law of Moses, the law of God equals the law of Moses. Is it slavery or is it freedom? Because it was discipline, it offered us discipline. But yet God says it's slavery because you have to obey it. Like it's, I mean, you have to obey laws, right? Because if you don't, there's penalties. Before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? So the thing is you're free from the law, but does that mean you're lawless? Or does that mean you're even more lawful? If you're free from the law, do you go up or do you go down? I think that we go up. I think, I think grace is even harder because the law kind of kept you the guardrails kind of kept you traveling but now the guardrails are taken away the the, the structures have been taken away if you walk the narrow path it's because you're walking it because you're the one that you you're committed to god in your heart god lives in you you are in god you are in christ christ is in you isn't the isn't the new covenant even harder than the old covenant because there's no rules on the wall to tell you what to do. There's love, love fulfills the law. I've got the rules on the law. To to me, the rules of the new covenant are love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control. I don't think the world fosters those things at all. The world talks love, the world talks joy, the world talks peace. I mean, if you show these to people, say, yeah, people do this, they don't need God. Yeah, we do do this, but we don't do it well. Does the world look like people are doing these things all 100% real well? Because I know I haven't done them. I know I failed at self-control quite a lot. Meekness, I'm kind of proud and entitled and full of myself. Faithfulness, have I really done this 100%? I would say I'm pretty faithful, but I'm patting myself on the back. I'm pretty faithless actually. Gentleness, I've been guilty of being really loud shouting getting angry it's not it's not a pretty resume like sometimes i just feel like giving up and say lord why bother why do you care so much i can't do this i'm not making it to heaven sir i'm not good enough really honestly why why am i even doing this what's the point It says you are trying to earn favor with God by observing certain days or months or seasons or years. I was really challenged by this. To be honest, when I grew up in the Sabbath keeping church, I've said this before. I know I sound like a broken record, but he's saying something in Galatians that really challenged my whole life. Like the law of God is good. The law of Moses is good. Sabbath is good. You know, uh, it's supposed to be, you're supposed to be disciplined, right? The guy said to me, well, I go to church on Sunday. I said to him, why? He says, well, we honor Christ. He's our savior. It really made sense to me. But then I thought, no, you can't, you're not allowed to make that choice. God did it for you. Like you're supposed to go to church on Sabbath. You're supposed to go to church on Saturday. And then when I really started to read the Bible and try to read it, it's like, it doesn't say Saturday or Sunday here. It doesn't say that at all. Jesus is the Sabbath rest, but you could go into church on any day. I just saw Chariots of Fire. What a great movie. If you have never seen the Chariots of Fire, so Eric Liddell was uh, a Christian guy, and there was another guy, Harold Abrams, he was a Jewish guy, and they were both running. They were in the Olympics of 1924. And they were friends, they were actually friends, but you can see, you know, Eric Liddell did not want to run on Sunday. He considered it to be the Christian Sabbath. He was a principled man, he couldn't he couldn't run on. Uh, he didn't want to do it, he wanted to honor God. He had told a boy in the, in, uh, yeah early on in the movie he said why are you playing football on on sabbath sabbath is not for our own pursuits and for him it was sunday for me it was saturday you're not supposed to do what you want on saturday sunday was just a regular day then i became a christian and then sunday felt like a regular day to me and and the sabbath which saturday which was kind of a holy day where i kind of walked around it like it was made of glass i still had that guilt feeling but then gradually it kind of shifted You know, I'm kind of loose about Sunday. I I mean, I go into a store after church or whatever. I don't really keep it as a Sabbath. I don't really keep it with the same holiness that I used to keep um, Saturday. But you know, it's the day day we say that Jesus rose. It is a very special day. And even if I were to shift in my thinking a little bit, like, like to me, Romans 14, five and six says, you know, you keep a Sabbath, you have a rest day, that's It's it's an individual thing. I'm not going to walk up to somebody and say, hey, you shouldn't be playing football on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day or you shouldn't be doing this. I'm not going to do that. Let everybody work it out, whether you're a Christian or not, how you want to treat a day, Which what day is a rest day for you, what day you wanted to go into a building for church or whatever your faith is and how you want to treat it. Okay, it's an individual opinion to me. It's you, Make sure that you and your conscience, you and God, are okay with what you're doing. You just need to please God and obey your conscience. But anyways, back to that movie. It was a really great movie. I think you'll enjoy it even if you're not a Christian, but I just really like those movies. Like A Man Called Peter, about Peter Marshall, and then also this one. You know, there was God and church and reverence and respect. And there was like holiness and society was different. And it seemed to be a little bit more peaceful, a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more disciplined. Um, it It wasn't lawless like it was today. I just, I really enjoyed the movie. So it says, you are trying to earn favor with God. So is trying to keep Sunday like a Sabbath? some people say oh it's not the christian sabbath some people say it is the christian sabbath if it's the christian sabbath for you keep sunday but is it a violation of galatians 4 and 10 4 verse 10 because to me i think you should have a you should have a view of something you should definitely decide what you want to do but it says you are trying to earn favor with god by observing certain days or months or seasons or years But Eric Liddell to me wasn't trying to earn favor with God. He was a principled man and that's how he had been brought up and that's how he had been trained and this is how he wanted to honor God by not working or running the race on Sunday. And I guess for those of you who haven't seen it, I'll I'll let you see it, I won't tell you what happened but it was a really great movie and I did look him up on Wikipedia afterwards to see uh, what had happened to him. Verse eleven. I fear for you, because perhaps all my hard work with you was for nothing. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I've become like you, become like you, Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. Actually, you know what I want to I want to say when he's talking about this and he's talking about the church of Galatia, right? So he's talking he's talking to Gentile people. So. If he's talking about, why are you going back to rituals and days? I, I kind of thought he was talking, he's talking about legalism. Okay. So for me, legalism was, um, going back to Saturday keeping. But why would these guys have Saturday? So what day was it for them that he's talking that they shouldn't be doing? I'm not really sure now. I just thought of it. They weren't Jewish, were they? These these guys weren't Jewish. Why would they go? Why would they go to Saturday keeping? Or maybe some Jewish guys came along and said, Hey, you know what? We're Christians like you are. We believe in Jesus the Messiah. But we've been, you know, we've had the Torah for so much longer than you. And and yeah, you got Jesus, but you still gotta be keeping God's holy day, which is, you know, the Sabbath from Exodus 20, verses 8. Whatever day that was for them, then maybe these guys were influenced by this. And maybe that's what Paul is saying. It's like saying, no, 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 don't do that. Whatever day that was, because you have no idea if it was really Saturday. Could have been another day, really. I mean, that's my personal opinion. I don't know. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For I have become like you Gentiles, free from those laws. You did not mistreat me when I first preached to you. Surely you remember that I was sick when I first brought you the good news. But even though my condition tempted you to reject me, you did not despise me or turn me away. No, you took me in and cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Where is that joyful and grateful spirit you felt then? I am sure you would have taken out your own eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Have I now become your enemy because I'm telling you the truth. I heard that he did have eye problems, and I think this was one of the verses that was cited, that he's saying people take out um, their eyes and give to him because he's he's squinting, he's far sighted, or is he nearsighted? Remember that guy in, um, it was The Great Escape, and he was like a forging, he was forging stuff. And he would bend really close and he would forge things, and then him and another guy... Um, I think it was James Garner. So this, it was Donald Pleasance was the forger and James Garner was the guy driving the plane. And then they they escape, right? They get out of the, the camp. It was called The Great Escape. That was another great movie. And these guys get out of the plane, but Donald Pleasance, he can't see because he's a forger, he's nearsighted. He's been forging so long that he can no longer see distance. And then I think both of them got caught by the Nazis again right because they escaped right but um donald pleasance i forgot the character that he played but he was the guy who was forging things and his eyes were wrecked up so they were assuming that the same thing happened to paul because he saw jesus because that great bright light shone around him that his eyesight was messed up forever and you know another thing is that he's saying that paul was saying to me when i read this He's saying these people are no longer joyous anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, when I got to the Baptist church, man, I was just totally in love. Like, it was just so different than what I was used to. And it's like, this is so great. I'm so excited. I'm so motivated. You know, I'm finally getting out. I'm going to become a Christian. I feel that I'm escaping from the system that I, I felt for a long time was really keeping me down. And I was just on, you know, on, on, on uh, cloud nine. And I must say, I guess, because of things that have happened that, you know, things have happened because i become a Christian. Jesus said the things would happen to you, things would come at you that you did not expect. You know, my own marriage, not being able to see my children. I, I have to say, sometimes I just, I feel kind of like down with it. Like, yes, Christ is a marriage. He says it's, you know, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, you've been a spouse to Christ as if a marriage, you know what I mean? but it's like a marriage, and you feel like your love got cooled a little bit. You feel like your love cooled, like your expectations didn't quite, and I'm not blaming God, I'm just saying that I just, sometimes I wish like, Lord, help me to get back to that excitement. Help me to realize why I did this. Even in the movie in Chariots of Fire, like you can see Eric Liddell, like there's just a joy in this man. Like the actor is portraying somebody, is portraying Eric Liddell, but it just the way he, the way Eric Liddell was portrayed, and of course it's just a movie, so maybe we're seeing all the wonderful parts and not so much the negative parts. Um, this man just had a joy inside of him, and when he was asked by, I think he's asked by a girl, probably his girlfriend, like, why do you do this? Why do you want to do? Why do you keep doing this? And he said, when I, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel God's joy in me. And I thought, wow, that's so true, you know. Whatever you find to do, do, do it with all your soul and might and do it with great joy. Because if you do something with joy, even though it's discipline, you'll, really, you'll never be able to stop, right? I don't drag myself to the gym. I do drag myself to the gym. I do feel terrible in the morning, but I just, I always wanted to have muscles and I'm so unathletic. It's just, it's not funny, but I go to the gym and I just feel like I lift the weights, and I feel like something is pumping inside my muscles, and I feel like they're expanding a little bit. I just feel a joy. It's like a sensory experience. It's like God's joy. And it makes the other parts of life which seem so joyless. Today, life, today, my job was so hard today. I was supposed to do a simple procedure, and it just totally blew up. And, you know, somebody came to my rescue who's smarter. You know, and I was just thinking, I'm just not right for this. I can't do this. I wish I could just quit. I wish I could just hide, you know, it was just problems. And I just didn't know how to fix it, you know, and I wanted to fix it. And I, I don't like feeling incompetent. I just felt like six inches tall. And I just said to myself, I hate myself. I hate my life. And, you know, it was found out that I had missed a small detail, but one which had been, which had happened before. And I felt a little bit better. These people have lost their joy. They've lost their first principle. Why why are you a Christian? Why did you become a Christian? Think back. Why did you become a Christian? Why did you get baptized? Think back how you were excited when you went into the... and you were beginning a new life. A new life that you knew in your heart and hopefully you still know is going to take you to the gates of eternity and beyond. Like your life will never come to an end. It may. You know, it it may flip. I mean, you may pass into the grave temporarily, but it's just temporary. That's not your destiny. You must have known that when you got baptized. Don't, don't let the short-term problems. And I'm speaking to myself for I'm not, I'm not a pastor. Don't let that detract you from the long-term joy of knowing God and being with God forever. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I forgot what part of the Bible that's in. With God, there will be great joy. You get to meet Jesus face to face. You get to shake hands with Jesus. You say, Lord, I know what I'm gonna say. Lord, I knew you were real. I knew you weren't lying to me. I knew you were true. I knew you weren't just a made up image. I knew you were more than, quote, just a good guy. When you said that you would walk with me and be with me even though I sinned and I hated myself, I knew you were true. I knew you weren't lying to me, sir. You weren't using me just for what you could get out of me. You really cared. In your presence, I felt, I felt like a somebody, like Speedy Midas. (laughs) At Speedy Midas, you were somebody. That's what I imagine I'm going to say to Jesus. I I do. Sometimes I feel like I ain't going to make it. But sometimes I feel like, yeah, I'm going to make it. Where's the joy? Those false teachers are so eager to win your favor, but their intentions are not good. They're trying to shut you off from me so that you will pay attention only to them. So Paul sounds like he's trying to tell these people, don't go with them. Come with me. Trust me. I, I sometimes I have these imaginary conversations in my head I could just I wish I could just convince people around me like please just leave that that denomination you're in there they're keeping you down fight for your freedom come on you can do better you're capable of so much more but it never happens it never happens I've been told so many times when you have a vision for life don't assume that other people around you think like yourself which is kind of a way to just like, don't even bother talking to people. They, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about Jesus as the savior. They don't want to hear about freedom. They, they just want their religion. They want their going to church on Saturday and all this, uh, all this weird stuff. They want all their, they, they want someone else. They don't want Jesus. They, they want to be in bondage. Jesus offers freedom. He offers. You know, it says, when the sun makes you free, you'll be free indeed. They don't want the sun, so they must not want the freedom. They want their bondage. If someone is eager to do good things for you, that's all right, but let them do it all the time, not just when I'm with you. All oh, my dear children, he calls them his children. I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. I wish I were with you right now so I could change my tone but at this distance, I don't know how to help you. He sounds, he really does sound like a father. He's pleading with these people. This is the guy who was killing people. He was their enemy, now he's their father. He's their sort of like pastor, father, shepherd, friend. You know, kind of their disciplinarian, but at the same time, somebody just loves them and just says, hey, I want the very best for you. Trust me, just trust me. I don't want people to trust me, I want them to trust Jesus. But sometimes I just wish people would just do it. Just trust me and I'll take you to Jesus. But." I, Hey, like I said, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want I don't want accolades for men. I I want to I want to grab somebody and say, hey, come to come to Jesus. He's a lot bigger and nicer than you could have possibly imagined. And then somehow all the problems that I face, like even today, seems to just kind of go away. Tell me who you want to. Tell me you who want to live under the law. Do you know what the law actually says? The scripture says that Abraham had two sons. One from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. Yeah, that's, that's what they, they, that was the whole idea in my church. We want to do something, we want to get closer to God. We want to do something to get us back to God. It's good intentions, is it not? It's good intentions. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. Jesus is the savior, not somebody else, not somebody's good intentions or somebody's good opinions or bad opinions of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the savior. The Holy Spirit promoted Jesus in God's book, the Bible. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. Wow. It's kind of like Mount Sinai. is not where God's law was, but yet it's Hagar, and that's the law, and the law was good, but yet the law is enslaved. Like when I read Second Corinthians 3, it's like, is this talking about the Ten Commandments? I thought the Ten Commandments was God's law, and it was good. But yet this is like the law from Mount Sinai. What else could it be talking about? And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is the free woman and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you have never given birth, break into a joyful shout, you have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. We're all Christians now, we're all Israel, but we're Israel of the heart, Romans 2, 28, 29. And Israel of the heart is any race, including Jewish people. God loves Jewish people and he loves them through his son. He wants them to come through his son. God doesn't hate Jewish people. God wants all people all of them. So he can call them by faith, children of Abraham, children of Jesus Christ, his children. The just shall live by faith. For we walk not by sight, but by faith, faith in our Heavenly Father. I love it. It's so empowering. God is so nice. Why don't we give him a chance? Make God great again. Make Canada great again. Make America great again. Make God great again. Make men great again. Make women great again. Make marriage great again. But you are now being persecuted by those who want you to keep the law. Just as Ishmael, the children born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the children born by the power of the Spirit. You've been reborn. You've been born by the Spirit, not of the flesh. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share the inheritance with the free woman's son. So, dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. We don't live by the law. Romans 8 says we live by the Spirit. Wow, wow, wow and triple-double wow. God bless you all.